You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. As you can tell, we're not in studio. We were in different places for this podcast recording, so we are making the most of it. But we are here with lots of things. We've got two great car debates, lots of questions. But you know what? I should mention that we're about to be in Austin. Yeah, we are. We've got Friday, November 18th, 2022, marked on our calendars that evening. If you go to everydaydriver.com under our Adventures tab, you can find the invite right there and come join us. We're doing uh, some mm-hmm. catered barbecue and we'd love to have you come join us and uh, see us while we're in Austin. That'll be the back end of our south trip. That is the fourth trip of our four points with the cars of the past. That'll be on the back end of our south trip. We will be, at that point, pretty much done shooting. It's a perfect time to hang out with all of you. We'd love to see those of you in the Texas area. Many of you have asked when we were coming back. Here's when we're coming back. Because it's the nature of, of a south trip, we won't be doing a big drive while we're there because we're turning around and heading back, but we did want to hang out with all of you guys. So if you can join us that evening, we'd love to have you with us. Agreed. And also, don't forget, in a couple episodes, that is 7.50. Come on, that's our live stream on our Test Drive YouTube channel, and we're taking all mm-hmm. non-car questions. So episode 7.50 recording and then we'll pu- publish it for that following friday so i believe it's uh yeah, that's what the third next week yeah november 3rd 2022 and then publish for friday november 4th so ask yeah, us all the non-car great. questions you can think of and we're looking forward to that i also saw a little bit of a news clip here i just saw a headline and okay. i thought it was interesting about toyota discovered that keys are too smart for their own good reuters is reporting Toyota is replacing one of the two electronic smart keys it delivers in Japan with a mechanical key for the time being because of Mm. the chip shortage. So ain't no school like the old school, right? Well, yes, but that reminds me. We had had a guy with us, Richard, that was with us on the Utah meetup. Yeah, yeah. That we were talking about Turo. And we got into a fascinating conversation about Turo because if you look on Turo, if you're ever on Turo and you're renting a car, a lot of the cars on Turo say, unlock with the app. Uh-huh. Which at yeah. first glance looks really cool. It means that they don't actually include the key for you. Your phone is your key through the Turo app, blah, blah, which seems at first glance awesome. But this guy that was with us on the Utah meetup rented something really cool on Los Angeles and proceeded to do, frankly, exactly what Paul and I would do and what many of you would do. And that is he found a Great Mountain Road mm-hmm. and drove all the way up a Great Mountain Road. But he didn't think about, and more importantly, what Turo didn't think about with unlock with the app is that means you have to always have the car somewhere there's good cell reception. He got to the yeah. top of a mountain. He turned the car off. He uh. walked away from the car. He came back. There was no cell reception. The car would not start without cell reception. He had to get it towed down to reception. And then guess what? Magically, now that his cell phone's got reception, he can unlock the car. So you know what? I hate to say this crazy idea, but you know what works? Keys. <laughs> Keys were great. Don't use logic. How dare you? I, I, just, I mean, the solve is to have the fob in the car, obviously. If you only rely on your phone, then you're subject to cell service. And yeah, that's crazy. But, but, but even more than fobs, you know what I like? An actual key. <laughs> the 300ZX starts every time. It has a key. So does the Lotus. It has a key. I just, I, you know, I, a key. I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Do you know the reason, actually, that the Lotus Elise doesn't have a key fob? Like a traditional key fob? I guess I the, don't. 
the 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 locking mechanism to and I, what I mean by this is like the the remote lock the just starter button and it actually has an ignition. If you have a starter button, you know it's because you can keep the key in your pocket or your purse or whatever. We're all used to that. The system to do all that weighs over a hundred pounds worth of stuff in the car. That was one of the reasons they never put a key fob in your pocket in the uh-huh. Lotus Elise. That does not add lightness. It does not. It adds. It adds. Yeah. It adds complication. And you know what works great? A key. Anyway, what would be refreshingly cool is for electric cars to be activated with an actual mechanical key. You just twist it into the run position, but it'd be like this weird, refreshing dichotomy of technologies. It would just be kind of cool. That would be very funny. You know, nobody's ever doing that, but it's funny anyway. Yes. (laughs) We all want to talk about the go fast parts. We're thinking of putting on our vehicles. But what about the stop fast parts? Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance and upgrading is better than just simply replacing. You can transform your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with a power stop brake upgrade kit that includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware that you need to complete your upgrade. Power Stop is on a mission to provide a complete and affordable brake upgrade kit for pretty much every vehicle on the road. If you tow, they have that. Off-road, track days, they have all that as well. They even have kits for brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes and even improve them by heading to PowerStop.com and entering your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder that'll match you with the right brake kit for your vehicle. We have two great car debates. First off, we have Benjamin writing to us from the suburbs of, uh, of Manhattan, and he's trying to get out of Manhattan, but that means he'll need a car. <laughs> Can you believe that? Well, he, yeah, he's That's in the crazy. suburbs somewhere near Manhattan, uh, New York, and he's lived there for well over a decade with no car. He and his wife mm-hmm. finally got a 2021 X3 M40i as their shared vehicle, but now that they've cool. moved to the suburbs, he's looking for a daily to add to the mix. He would like something relatively small, extremely fun to drive, reliable Uh enough to handle a commute from the suburbs into New York City a couple of times a week, and new enough to have CarPlay or Android Auto, something like that. Okay, great. His budget here can go as high as roughly $65,000. You understand, Benjamin, by terming, by Uh phrasing it like that, that just means time to spend money. He would rather spend less. Yeah, right. And he'd be thinking he'd be willing to spend closer to that 65 number on a lightly used car since he'll lose less on depreciation than a new car at that price. But just keep in mind, Benjamin, with all the weirdness that's gone on with the car market, all prior knowledge about the car market is null and void. It is out the window. That's true. Maybe not. We'll see. He is a lawyer and he wants a car that is professional looking enough that he'll be taken seriously if colleagues or clients See him in it. <laughs> oh, I, want, I, I so want to just get him into something completely absurd. I really, really do. There's it's Benjamin. Or, why, is, look, why is he in that? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because it's fun. That's why. Anyway, moving on. Well, there's a hitch. There's always a hitch. They've got yeah. a baby on the way and a dog. So he wants something with a back seat that can fit an infant seat. And he says he's that looked. a rear-facing seat. Or, yeah, rear-facing seat. Neither the 911 or the M2 will fit an infant seat in the back, plus a passenger in the front. Yeah. Otherwise, that'd be a clear winner. He would prefer rear or rear-biased all-wheel drive, but he knows there are some front-wheel drive cars out there that are worth a look. And he'll throw winter wheels and tires on seasonally appropriate rather than worry too much about the all-wheel drive. Ding, ding, ding. Good job, sir. Yeah. His ideal is a car with a manual. But he's Mm -hmm. open to dual clutches and automatics for otherwise great cars. I'm glad you are. 
He says a manual, smaller, hot wagon like the new M3 wagon that Europe is getting would be great. He doesn't see one being on the market that isn't too expensive like E63s yeah. or RS6s Avant. Either of those. The RS6 Avant is so cool, but so is the E63. It's great. It's, I could they're t- both fantastic oh, wagons. Yeah, can you imagine sure. rocking one of those? The problem is, Benjamin, you got to double your budget. So I won't go that far, yeah. but I'm glad <laughs> you at least acknowledged it. That's good. Yep. Let's see. What's on the short list here? Many things he's looking at. Yeah, there's good stuff on the short list. Actually, what's interesting about the short list, and I'm going to keep beating this drum here real quick, because, Benjamin, one of the first things you said is I'd like relatively small, extremely fun to drive. Now, when you tell me that, I think exactly that. And then you start listing the things you're looking at, which are an F80 M3, an mm-hmm. Alfa Romeo Julia, a CT4V Blackwing. <laughs> I look at those first three, and I'm like, none of those are small. Right. Yeah. You, you, I mean, yeah. none of them, are, you can even pretend they're small. Now, they can be very fun. The extremely fun to drive part might happen. And in the case of the M3 and the Blackwing, you could actually get manual transmission. But I, this is not a small, light, rear-wheel drive car. When you tell me that up front, I instantly jump to genuinely little stuff but i understand that the kid the dog do change that so those were three of the ones you listed the m3 the uh, alfa romeo julia maybe even the quadrifolio the blackwing ct4v the new civic type r which a lot of people are, are launching videos on that today or the day we're recording this the price is interesting on the civic type r the yeah, new one is yeah. going to be forty three thousand nine ninety, which is about a thousand dollars more than the advertised price I know there's markup. The advertised price of the <laughs> yeah. GR Corolla Circuit Edition. So those are right on top of each other. We can't wait to do that comparison. The Veloster N and the AMG CLA 45, which we loved, and the RS3. Now, those bottom four or so, the Type R, the Veloster, the CLA, and the RS3, now I'm starting to feel like small dad cars. But the upper four, no. I mean, what if he's got to take a client somewhere and Benjamin will have to say, I hope you did some stretching exercises this morning because you're going to have to fold yourself in a weird way just to get in the car. Watch your head. Please don't touch that. Your shoulder's too close to mine. Can you scoot over a little bit? And yeah. Well, he does suggest a lightly used Mustang Mach 1 or similar. He says the GT350 would be great. That engine, while magical, might be too fussy for a commuter car. Maybe. I, I would like you to rev the engine and have the sound echo off buildings in Manhattan. Yes. Yes, the through. Manhattan and, Canyon walls. You know, I love I it. I have yeah. arrived. Here I am. Uh huh. He also mentions a Macan Turbo or GTS, but on the other hand, he prefers not to buy an SUV since they already have one. And physics yeah. demand, he says, they cannot handle as well as a lower car. Yes, this you're is right. true. But he says they're supposedly pretty great, even if a touch ubiquitous and cliche and fancier areas because they're good all arounders. Yeah. Benjamin's main car earlier in life was an 05 manual. RX-8, which he just loved. Hmm. He imagined the BRZ or the GR86 would be great for him and similar in driving experience to the RX-8 without the 9,000 RPM redline, but it won't fit an infant seat. Well, not like you want. Not not a rear-facing. No, they won't. Not with anybody on the passenger side. I mean, his last sentence here to us in the email, he says, please point me towards something I haven't considered or help me get over my fear of daily driving an Alpha Quadfolio. (laughs) Ha ha. I hear, yeah, I do love that. Benjamin, let me, let me start right there real quick. And that is, for your commute car, you're, you're talking about a high-powered sedan in most of these. You've got the M3, you've got the, the Julia Quadrifolio, the CT4 Blackwing. These are high-powered, middle-sized, not small by any means, yeah. middle-sized yeah. Uh, sedans. 
and they're going to be thoroughbreds. They're going to be picky to maintain and run, and you're not going to be using them to their fullest anyway, which makes me think, I don't think that an alpha in general is scarier than the other two, but I also think for your usage, you don't need the quadrifolio. I mean, I love it. It's a fantastic car, but I think spend less of your budget. I know it's a crazy place to be. Spend less of your budget. Get yourself a perfectly specced Alfa Romeo Giulia with the, with the good automatic, get the sport pack, get the uh, limited slip diff, get it set up right and chase the correct one because that's going to have enough turbo power for anything you're going to actually do on a commute back and forth to Manhattan or in your normal life. There's no mention here of hugely fun driving or I take it to the track or I need to autocross or let me tell you about the back roads I drive. This is your fun dad car. And I think the non-quadrifolio keeps you away from extra cost, extra consumables. Now you lose some engine note and some power. Absolutely. I love the quadrifolio, but I think you could get by with the normal one. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I cannot deny that. That's, that's excellent. Benjamin, I love all your choices. Yes, they could work. And Todd's absolutely spot on about the Civic Type R and the CLA 45 and that Audi RS3. Those could be viable options. And I do want you to have something small and fun, but then when you say, people are going to see me in this car, I got to look like a professional, Mm -hmm. I definitely get that. I mean, especially in your profession, we don't know what area of law that you practice, but still, your clients, your customers, you know, professionals, peers, all that kind of stuff. And you've got to have room. I definitely get it. And all I can think about is a used Porsche Panamera. That's all I can think about. It's a big car. But it drives small, and that's the difference. That's what I like it, about it so much. Yes, and I don't think it actually is any bigger than the, the big mid-sized things he's talking about. It's not any bigger than an M, the new M3, M4. No, I don't it's think so. It's not any bigger than the Blackwing. It's the exact same kind of deal. I think that's a very viable. I agree. I hadn't even thought of that. That's great. Well, I mean, for $65,000, you're definitely going to get something used. It's going to have some miles on it, but okay. It might be still the first-generation body style. Fine. If you can get something, if you're willing to spend and you really want to, sure. But the Panamera says Ford or 911. It's what you're looking for in a 911. It says, I want to have fun, but you know what? I need to do business, and I need to do the adulting thing, too. So I guess with the infant and the everything, all the stuff and the hatch, yeah, I suppose so. And it's a great commuter, but it does drive small. They're still built for track use. You still can. You don't want to because it'll roar through consumables. But I think the Panamera has got to be a viable option on your list, for at least to look at because of the driving experience itself. Like I said, that car shrinks around you the faster you go, mm-hmm. which is what I love about Porsches. I do like the Civic Type R. We have not driven it, of course. Todd has mentioned it. The price is perfect. It's spot on. It's the yep. other side of the equation. It's Benjamin, you're dri- what are you driving? That's a, you know, is that your college car? Is, you know, mm-hmm. Still not quite, quite done with cars, are you? But on the other hand, I bet you that setting, just like on the 10th generation Civic Type R that we experienced, the comfort setting is brilliant. Probably, yeah. When you have conversations yeah. with your clients and with other people about why you got an 11th generation Civic Type R, and how it drives, and how wonderful it is to commute in, and oh, by the way, you can really get after it. It's really a lot of fun. Now, the manual thing might get, who knows, I, I think for your commute, you could probably do it, since it's not five days a week. 
Yeah, I think I it's think fair. I think that's the right trade-off. And it, it is, stylistically speaking, less of a affront to the eyeballs than the last generation, the 10th generation. So I think you True, can get away I, with one. I think, well, look, we're, we're the camp of just get away with one. What's it matter? You've got a bright orange thing with flames <laughs> on it. and it. You, you love your car. That's what we're, but, but I will say this. The Veloster N and the Civic Type R, are they, are they the, the style? Are they, I hate to put it this way. Are they lawyer enough for your needs? Mm. Because I would love you to drive either one. I mean, we, we had a lawyer uh, discussion years ago where somebody was driving a, a bright orange Fiesta ST, and we were like, y- yes to that. Yeah, but right. are, are, you, are the Veloster N or the Civic Type R, the new one, has a big wing on the back? And frankly, I think the wing looks like an aftermarket wing. I love the look of the car, but it looks like an aftermarket wing. Is that classy enough for what you want? I would say, sure, just get it. But I'm wondering about that. I actually think that the RS3 is interesting, and I think the AMG CLA 45 is perfect for you Mm -hmm. if you want to spend that much money. Because that is a car, I would say get it in the crazy yellow we had it in. You probably shouldn't get it in the crazy yellow. Get it in a normal color. And that car will just blend into the background and be Mercedes sedan to 90% of the people that true, see it. True, true. But it is an absolute rock star to drive. It is absolutely the upscale version of WRX thinking done to a fantastically upgraded degree. And the interior is just nice. It's just a nice place to be. You can put anybody in it that doesn't know cars and be like, oh, this is a nice little car. I like this Mercedes. What is this? I think that's a perfect <laughs> car for you. The problem is the cost. Because the one we had was just over seventy grand, which means you're trying to chase one of those slightly used, and that is the that is the Achilles heel of that car is the price. I have two crazy wild cards, but I I love the idea of you and that AMG. That's interesting. I mean, the other thing I was thinking about was that new M240i because it does have the space you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But watch that comparison. We just released on our main YouTube channel. The new M240i, it was the X-Drive, it was all-wheel drive and automatic, but we paired it against a 10-year-old 911, 2013 911.4S. Now, mm-hmm. I like that BMW is still building this car and they're, they're going after that, that niche because they seem to be one of one. When you want a two-door coupe and you want it to have space and a trunk and you know kind of normal yeah, car yeah. things, but it still needs to be really powerful... I love that they've got that two series coupe. And I think you could, I really do think you could rock one. But the problem is, to get the manual, you've got to move on up to the brand new M2, and I'm not sure that's really what you want. I, I mean, I'd take the Civic SI as far as stylistically, stylistically speaking, I think you could do that more than the M2. The M2 is like, wow, <laughs> drive your race car to work today. But maybe that's the point, I suppose. Well, and the Civic's going to have a lot more space. I mean, I'm concerned since he's he's essentially looks like he's scouted the prior M2. I'm not sure how far you've actually gone, but you've at least scouted the prior mm-hmm. M2, Benjamin, and you said that you didn't know if that had enough space for the rear-facing child seat. You have to check that on that new 2 Series as well. Makes me actually think about the 440 or the 430i, which is coupe-shaped, sure. but we marveled at the amount of back seat space in that. That allows you to get a coupe. Maybe even a convertible if you really want to go crazy, but you aren't going full M3 because the M3 the M3 is a big car. I mean, the, the 440 isn't small, but the M3 just feels like a big car to me, which Agreed. goes against some of the other things you've asked for. But that 430 you, could be viable. Keep mm-hmm, the price I agree. down. Yeah, and we were surprised, pleasantly surprised by it actually when we drove it. Hmm. All right, you've got wild cards. I have two crazy wild cards, and they're they're informed by different things. First off, since you were throwing out crazy hatches. My wild card there is 
Fiat 500 a Bart. You think just, so? No, I don't know. I don't know if the back seat's big enough. That's my big question. It's a surprisingly roomy back seat for its space because it is this little this little van-looking shape. Okay, is it lawyer love, enough though? See, that's my question. In black, I think it might be. The thing I love though is that exhaust note banging off the the Manhattan <laughs> uh, canyon walls. I it is easy to park in Manhattan. Amazing. There is that. Yes. So, and, and you would spend so little on that car of your budget that I think you also would take away the Manhattan. Oh man, what happens to this car? Who cares? Let's just drive the 500 sure. apart and enjoy ourselves. I don't know if the back seat's big enough. But then I thought of you were talking about cars that were surprisingly large. You're talking about wanting to have something that has a surprisingly good back seat, and you've kind of circled things like the Mustang and wondered, would you like that? And you'd kind of like a manual. And then I went, wait a minute. Here's my big wild card for you, Benjamin. A Challenger with a manual. Are you kidding get a me? Big, get a big V8 Noises Challenger. That, that's, that's my lawyer has attitude. But my lawyer still, it's, it's still a grown-up car, okay? But you can get big V8. It has surprisingly large back seats, significantly larger back seats than both the Mustang and the Camaro. <laughs> you can stand so, up in the back with the doors closed. And... Well, not, not quite. But, but, but the <laughs> Challenger, not the Charger. The Challenger, Challenger is the two-door, yeah, <laughs> two plus two, and it's, and it's, you know, big V8. I think that's an interesting wild card for you that I'd like you to at least look at. With some of the other things you're looking at, come on, man, rock a Challenger. Wow, that is very different. If you could make that work, Benjamin, you people would talk about you. They see you in that and think, is that professional enough? I think it is. I guess it is. It's got that nice <laughs> old school throwback. All right, I guess we're going with it. Fine. I love it. It's an adult car. Get it in, get it in a, a black or a, or a monochrome color. I'm not a monochrome color guy, but in your case, get it in a monochrome color and just, you know, slink your way through Manhattan with that manual transmission. There's no slinking with that exhaust noise. That's true. There's That's no true. slinking yeah. whatsoever. But you're right. You know, embrace they're they're, they're going to know you're coming. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Our friends at Haggerty are always doing something new, and they've decided to have a new Haggerty marketplace. It's your hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classified experience, buyers can shop for vehicles for sale from the Haggerty Drivers Club members, and sellers get access to millions of car lovers. There's all kinds of cars on there, too, so no matter what you're into, you'll find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's fees, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, we highly suggest heading over to Haggerty Marketplace and taking a look around. We know you'll love it. Chris C. writes to us from Chicago, asking for us to save him from himself. He's stuck in a rut Uh where to go. He's asked other car friends and family members about what he should do, and has not get gotten any good answers. So he writes to us. We better not screw up, Todd. We better get, get him yeah, something good. Yeah, for sure. No pressure. Uh-huh. He writes the podcast. He's been listening since 2016. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. He dreams of one day of going on the pilgrimage trip to Germany. We invite you. Yes, please do. Yeah. We'd love to have you. But he writes to us, asking us to save him from himself about either getting a pickup truck or buying an electric car. He says he's currently got a 2015 BMW M235 xDrive. He bought it outright okay. at 11,000 miles in 2018, and as of this email, it's got 89,000 miles. And he says it's okay. been very reliable, but he is no longer a single man. <laughs> he has others attached to him. Okay, got it. <laughs> his MOF and he just bought a 2022 Lexus RX350. This is her family car, and he's the driver for most of the time for road trips and running around town. But he's driving his brother-in-law, who is six foot four. And his best friend, who is six foot four, he says, 
not really a normal six foot four because he's a former professional shot put thrower. So he's six four square is what we're kind of saying. <laughs> right, he's six a, four. He's a, he, this is a, a large person. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. As his current minister of finance, minister has the family car. He's got free reign as long as it has four doors, and his MOF must be able to drive it. So that means no manuals. Okay. Cars he's looking at include the GTI or Golf R, the S3, the S4, a Macan, a Mini Clubman JCW, M340i X-Drive. But what is he missing? He's always loved quirky and fun cars, but mm-hmm. he's got some kind of roadblock about trying something fun and surprising. He's also played with the idea about just getting a Silverado and driving that to please the seven-year-old in him until he can find something more sporty. Don't get the Silverado. I think I don't even think it'll take very long for you to be like, why am I in this? Anyway. Agreed. <laughs> he would like to purchase new to support the car enthusiast, keeping supporting manufacturers to keep building these cars, and he'd like Love to that. keep this car for a while. If he can pull off a new car, well, he says used will also do, but his budget is maxed out at $65,000. Hmm, okay, similar. Got it. He currently drives 100 miles, round trip to and from work, 80% highway, wow, about freeway, 20% stoplights. So wait a minute, 200 miles a day? Well, no, 100 miles, 100 round, miles trip. round trip, okay. so 50 miles. Okay, yeah. so the way it was written at first, I was like, wait a minute, 200 miles? Okay, so and 100 still miles at least an hour in the car each way. Yeah, he's, he's putting it down for sure, okay. They're looking to move closer to his work within the next year or so, so that drops the commute to about 25 miles round trip. They're in the suburbs okay. of Chicago, and he needs to go into work every day. So he does love the idea of all-wheel drive, and snow tires is high consideration, but not a must. Yeah, I know it snows. It gets crazy weather in Chicago sometimes, so definitely consider that. And he well, says yeah, the cabin but, needs but to I would be a say nice is, place to be. Yeah, you're going to spend a lot of time in that cabin. And you actually said you, you hate tablets as the center console. So that's very interesting. You're not buying an electric car anytime soon. But what's interesting here is I I do want to say that I don't think all-wheel drive is necessary. However, in the Chicago area, I would highly recommend winter tires, whether you're going to get all-wheel drive or not, just because of the cold temperatures. Once it gets below 45 degrees, you need to have that winter rubber on to really make the most of it. But anyway, that's a side thing. This is interesting. He says he does track days with family about once a year. His dad's got a Ford Focus RS, looks like. Soon Ooh. to be a CT4 Blackwing. Uncle oh, wow. has a CT5 Blackwing. And his cousin <laughs> has a 330i and a Project LS swapped E30. Yes. Because everything gets LS swapped eventually. Why not an <laughs> exactly. E30? Yeah, got it. Okay. So he tracks his car once or twice a year with this group. And most of his racing is done at Audubon Country Club. We've definitely been there hmm. in Joliet, Illinois. Yeah. Gingerman and also Road America. He's looking to do autocross to help him get more seat time. And in the past year, he's been doing an arrive-and-drive karting league at Autobahn, where he's been learning a lot about car control Hmm. and wheel-to-wheel racing. That's great. Very cool. Wow, he says a concussion ended his season this summer, but he'll be back for more next year. Wow, hope you're all right and uh, don't experience lingering effects. He has done homework, driving homework, with his wife on the following cars. First of all, the (laughs) Veloster N. Mm. Guess how that went. (laughs) It did not go well. He said he, he loves it. He actually said he, he tried to die on this hill and he just, he died. It died because his <laughs> minister of right. finance has completely ruled it out. He said to her, but you know what? It's classified for, I love this, honey, it's classified for autocross in the four-door category. 
And she pretty much said, I don't care. It doesn't have four doors. The hatch is not so, door. So that just, that just died. So that, I, I love the fact that you went with the autocross uh, classification to try to sell that car to your wife. That was a fail. Anyway, he said he liked the Audi S4, but he feels like it would be too heavy for what he wants to do, considering he wants to autocross and have track days. Some of the other cars in your life, I can see that. He keeps coming back to the Mini Cooper S. Yes. And the Clubman yes. John Cooper works. Now... I have two conflicting thoughts here. I love them. Paul Paul's already applauding, and you can hear it, because we both love them. They're so much fun to drive. However, did you forget about the six-foot-four people you're hauling around? <laughs> what, there, Possibly. There, there, is, there is no mini product that is good for those people. I'm just letting True. you know. For, I mean, for you as a driver, sure, but for two other buddies that are 6'4", one of who's 6'4", in both directions, that's not happening. The mini products are completely out, buddy. I mean, we love them, but I don't think that works. Yeah, he's looking at that JCW Clubman, but you're right. Ah, that's I don't a know tougher that works. Track usage, that is, but yeah. also carry large humans around. Yeah, can you only take them in the Lexus? Is that possible? Because, uh, yeah, uh, anyway, on, onward. M340i X-Drive, he says it feels fast, but feels dull. It's more of a GT mm, car, not a sports car. He's not sure if he'd be happy with, with it. He says he gets back into the Mini and thinks, that was fun. Why did uh-huh. I not have that feeling with the BMW? Mm. Yeah. He moved from Florida, it looks like, and he drove an older TLX. He says not a fan with the inside. But good for long distance driving. Boy, that's he's asking for that all rounder. Good for long yeah, distance. It's, good it's for hard, commute. For sure, and yeah. by the way, I need mm-hmm. to track once or twice a year and also transport mm-hmm. large human beings. Mm. Okay. All right. <laughs> I all right. have a list here, Chris. I have the, a few as well. The Civic Type R is back on that list because of those large back seats in the eleventh generation. I think it's a real contender. I think the SI or the Type R, either yeah. one you would enjoy, and it has backseat space that it shouldn't. That has fantastic backseat. I'd take four people in that car anywhere. Yeah, that, that could be something you just need to consider because, again, good at the commute, but still it's designed for track use. But anything having to do with autocross, something large is going to be its Achilles heel. And my concern yeah. is if you try to do autocrossing with anything but something light, like your dad's Focus RS, mm. could you buy mm. that? Could he keep it around? He's trading up, apparently, to a CT4 Blackwing. Can it stick around just for autocross fun? I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's cool. I don't know if he needs the money to put towards the, the Cadillac, but that's pretty much an ideal autocross car. You don't want to go yeah, any bigger than that. So I agree. Well, uh, the one we just drove, the guy that was the third owner, he just bought it at 100,000 miles, and he was purposely keeping it stock and getting it completely sorted because that's becoming his autocross car. I mean, yeah. that is, you know, that's, that's a great option there. And getting much above that, I, I agree, those big sedans and stuff, that's not right for autocross. I mean, you can do it, but it's not right for it. I mean, could you put it on layaway? Could you make payments to your dad? Could you get something that will fulfill <laughs> your, your commute and people-hauling needs? Because something large to carry a lot of gear and people, it's just not going to be good for autocross. And my concern is that you'll lose interest in autocross or lose interest in track Mm. driving because you don't have the right tools for the job. Mm, Interesting. I love the Civic Type R for that. That's the closest all-arounder. It is brand new. You'd be waiting a little while before you can actually get your hands on one. RS3 is on my list. The Elantra N with a dual clutch. I toyed around with many of the same cars 
that we talked about for Benjamin in the first uh, I agree. Yeah. first debate here. Where I landed was an E90 M3. Problem is, as oh, great as it is, it's heavy. It's good yeah. for hauling, and it's just a glorious car to drive. But yeah. it's thirsty on gas, and for a long commute like that, you're not going to like that very much. And for True. autocrossing, it's going to chew through its brakes and tires. So yes. I come back to something lightweight, Civic Type R. It's, I think that's something you need to consider. But also, if you throw out the track driving element out of the requirements about this next vehicle, it opens up all the same options that we debated for Benjamin. Oh, all of those True. are suddenly available True. if that yep. Focus RS somehow stays in the family and you as a family, you and all your friends, you go out and you autocross it and you all get experience with it. And it just becomes the dedicated autocross car. It's an expensive car to leave as a dedicated autocross car. I realize that. True, but true. Yeah. It's almost, I don't know if there is a car, you'll be too compromised in every direction, short of a C8 Corvette. <laughs> right? Interesting. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Chris, I... I want to stop on one thing real quick, and Paul mentioned it in passing, but I want to stop on one thing real quick, and that is the whole debate that you and your wife had over the Veloster N. The issue was it's not a four-door. Uh, Elantra N, Paul yeah. mentioned it. Hi. You yeah. really, really wanted a Veloster N. The, the Elantra N exists. It is the Veloster N in a four-door sedan package. In, it, in Frankly, in a dad car package. Yeah. So what about the Elantra N? I mean, get it in manual, get it in DCT. I, you know, doesn't it come in manual? Am I, am I missing myself there? No, it, it does. The DCT you just recently had a recall uh, on the dual clutch yeah. transmissions, but it definitely does come with a, with a six-speed manual, yes. So you can make your choices there. The Elantra N is going to be far more usable than the Minis, and I want to mention again, the Minis are crazy fun to drive. I don't think it's big enough for what you've told us. But the Elantra N is one of those cars like the Civic Type R. We can't wait to actually put them together. That's one of the, the similar cars where it isn't a very big exterior shape, but it's actually got a decent amount of room inside to make it a real, like, do-it-all life car. But it's also hair on fire. Mm -hmm. So I think since you like the Veloster N so much, the Elantra N needs to be on your list. I love the new Civic Type R for you. I wish the Mini would work. Maybe I'm misunderstanding your requirements, but I think the Mini is just <laughs> too small. But I have to say this, you have the money to go out and legitimately get yourself a GR Corolla. Yeah. Because we yeah. know they're going to be marked up. I don't want you to pay markup, but that may be the only way to get one in the next calendar year. I know a lot of people have got big lists going. What are your options on the GR Corolla? How soon do you need this car? Let's be honest, the Type R is going to have the same issue. It's going to be hard to get. There's going to be markup. I mean, we're dealing with that terrible world. I don't want you paying markup, but I'd love for you to call around and see what the options are for a GR Corolla, because that is another really compelling... Plus, that's a... I know your wife's going to love this. An actual four-door with a hatch. There I mean, you, you like the Veloster yeah. in, but only had three doors. How about a four-door with a hatch, my friend? That's the Toyota GR Corolla. Interesting. That, that could be the solve. It's just how long and can you get a GR Corolla, get your hands on one. Yeah. But with $65,000, yeah. you just said it. Could you get two cars to solve all these needs? Could you get mm. some cool sedan, like we talked about for Benjamin? There's an E-Class in there now, too, for that size. And then with some leftover dollars, 20 grand, will your dad let you buy the Focus RS for cheap? Interesting. That's your autocross car, and then the refreshing weekend car. You know what? I just want to take the RS today. Yeah, let's take that to work. Great. 
you've got some deciding to do, some driving to do as well. Chris, thank you for writing to us. If you've got a debate yeah. like Benjamin's, like Chris's, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and car debates. Great question on Instagram from T. No, asking, what is what do we think is the largest car brand image dichotomy? This mm. is the Subaru, because on one side you have the typical Outback tree hugger, and then on the other side you have the guy or girl driving the STI to the local vape-off. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, you're just throwing down the just stereotypes. All That's the funny. stereotypes. All right, anyway. Oof. Okay, all right. Well, I see, what, I see what your question is, and I have two. The first one is Volkswagen. Okay. I don't think Volkswagen knows what kind of brand it wants to be, at least in North America. Mm. they've got the Golf R and the GTI and the hot hatch and that legacy there. And then sure. they're really trying to introduce a lot of electrics. So that's a, that's a lot of new ground, new territory. And by the way, the buzz is coming. And then mm -hmm. they've got the Atlas. Well, it's not sporty enough, so let's make the sport back Atlas. And, oh, yeah, we need some sedans. But you know what? They're not really compelling. The Passat and the Jetta, not compelling. But, you know, at least we offer them so we, we've check those boxes we fill that niche right there and then oh yeah we've just got all the suvs with all of them start with the letter t and pick your size you need an suv <laughs> they have all of them unbelievable <laughs> we do we've just measured all the sizes all the classes and they're really not class leaders they they'll do we need an offering in that category so we need to pay attention to sedans a little bit because we hear sedans still make money and well we need to have a lot of suv offerings and Man, the electric thing that is coming—that's going to redefine the Volkswagen brand—and we can't ignore the Golf R and the GTI fans. So we got to keep making those. I don't think the product planners know what to do with the brand, at least in North America. I really don't. I don't get a sense of a through line. Interesting. Hyundai, yeah. I'm starting to really see it. Even companies that offer SUVs and sedans seem to have a better through line for everything, from styling to everything. I just don't feel like Volkswagen is it's not that they're not trying I just don't feel like they've really hit upon what they want to be they've been looking around too much they're looking at, at mm, everybody mm. else and they need to kind of fall back on their own you know what are we as a company their core values core ideals and really reinvent themselves and stop looking at other people my other brand is Cadillac and I've mentioned this before mm, on yeah. one hand they offer the one hundred and fifty one thousand dollar 10 miles to the gallon, hugely powerful Escalade V. Almost <laughs> 700 horsepower in a truck yeah. the size of a Suburban. Holy yeah, it's, it's shocking crap. that it exists at all. Yep, I hear you. And on the other side of the webpage, they have Lyrics for sale. Oh, and you know what? We just came out with a $300,000 hatchback. You're right. What? You're right. Who, 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 who are, are you, people? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What do you want to be? You've got the gas guzzling and the black wing. And like, we make manual high horsepower sedans. Yeah. What, yeah. Who are you guys trying to the, be? The, like, what? The, the, I'm not sure. I keep sure. thinking about the mood board and the perfect buyer for each of those cars. <laughs> the, four, the four cars you just mentioned, bring in the perfect buyer that they envision for each of those four cars and set those four people down at the dinner table and discover they have nothing to talk about. <laughs> those are four completely different people. That's that's really bizarre. I like that one a lot. That's very good. By the way, if you're ever in that situation, 
turn the subject to travel. Everybody likes to talk about travel, either a trip they just got back from or a trip they have planned. Everybody can relate to travel. So always just talk about travel. Where do you want to go? What's your favorite place to go? Yeah, there you go. That's very good. I've got uh, the driver's seat photographer on Instagram has a good question. He says he's enjoying our cars of the past journey. I'm so glad. We have two more of those coming. The north trip is in post right now. The south trip's about to be shot. We're, we're so enjoying those trips. I can't even tell you how much we're having fun with, with not only doing them, but sharing them with you guys. And yes, there are more gags to come in both of these pieces. We're enjoying the gags almost as much as the rest of it. They're quite absurd. But he said it's got him thinking. Uh-oh. He's wondering if we would recommend revisiting old automotive flames. Mm. If that's something we would recommend most people do to the supercar freaks. Uh, so driver's seat, here's my, here's my honest answer on this. I think it's a wonderful thing. If you are prepared for the outgo of cash, <laughs> I was not prepared. By the way, yeah, yeah, and and I, you know, the the Z car has actually been really good to me, and it's still been just a little bit scary because you're going to buy it and you're going to have that initial honeymoon period, and then you're going to come face to face with the fact that the car is just old, and I don't care how well it was taken care of. My Z was great. Paul's 928s needed a lot of love, but it doesn't matter how much how well it was taken care of. The cars that you're probably talking about are minimum of 25 years old. They're probably 30 to 40, depending upon which old flame car you're talking about and how yeah. old you are. Yeah. So any car that's that old is just going to need stuff. That is no commentary on whether or not you got a good one. It is just, it's old, man. <laughs> Rubber stuff wears out. Parts are hard to find. So I think if you're prepared for that reality, I think you will love the experience. If you're thinking... Ah, you know what? I'll buy one of those for a bit. You're going to hate it quickly if you're just thinking about buying it just to see what it's like. I think it's going to be a bad, bad marriage. Luke Summers 14 on Instagram is liking the Wednesday podcast. I'm so glad those are our yeah, test cool. drive podcasts and the audio is pulled out of those, uh, those videos and republished as our test drives. But I like that you guys are enjoying them and I've definitely seen that, yeah, seen that on the analytics it is definitely resonating. So thank you guys. Really appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad it was suggested, and I'm glad uh, people are liking them. So, Yeah, it's very cool. Luke is asking if the C7 Corvette is enough of a change from the 2016 Camaro SS, or are they too similar to make the switch worthwhile? That's a tough one. I mean, right now, with the, the kind of power and the way they make power, I feel like it's going to be pretty similar. You're, you're talking about a different seating position, slightly, and mostly different style. I'm not sure that, I mean, you're in the same family. It's still Chevy. So you're going to find some of the same switches in there, and you're like, okay, this kind of reminds me of the Camaro, or vice versa. So I'm not sure. I feel like people coming to either of those cars out of something else, out of a front-wheel mm, drive mm. something, that's the kind of change that we want to see. Rear-wheel drive, you know, naturally aspirated, V8, Chevy V8 power. But between those two cars... There's just a lot of nuance at that point. You're talking about style and windshield rake and seating position and how low you are and blind spots. And, but overall drivability, it's going to kind of make the same sounds and kind of feel the same, I feel like. I think, I think they are quite similar. I, th I think that you would enjoy the C7 more than you expect because it's going to feel like your Camaro got lower to the ground and lost a quarter of its body weight. Fair, And yeah. I think... And I think those realities, it, it, let me put it to you another way. What you haven't told us, Luke, is how much do you like that Camaro SS? Because if that's a car you're in love with, 
I think you'd actually like the C7 just a little bit more. Hmm. Because okay. I think it, 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 it's going to feel like the little bit more fine-tuned athletic version of your Camaro. If you're saying, I like my Camaro, but I'm ready for a change, it's not enough of a change. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking, I like the Camaro, but I want to see if I can ramp it up a bit, then yes, C7 would be good. Damn it, Patton wrote to us about tires. Okay. He asked our criteria for winter tires. Andrew is living in a new area, northwest Arkansas, that sees temps in the 20s during the morning but usually above 40 degrees by mid-morning. He should, be, should he be okay on his PS4s, or does he need to consider other options? Andrew just got a GR86, just like ours, actually. Mm -hmm. And he got his first experience with sleet earlier in the week, so he's learning all sorts of fun winter-related things he never had to deal with in Florida. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> that is a new experience. You're right. The, uh, it depends on how long that season will last, whereas you know people have written to us who live in North Carolina, and they'll say that season lasts about three weeks where, like, where I really might need to you know, either think about a switch or just kind of limp through. If the time period where it stays cold, I, I'm not familiar with Arkansas, I will admit, but if, if that stays you know, wintry longer, you might want to consider some all-weather tires as mm. your, say, fall into early April kind of tires because they do have that triple peak rating. They're not all seasons, but they're all weathers, which means they sure, are sure. rated for snow and ice, which is important. And sometimes you might get the ice storms. But uh, it depends on how long that, that uh, time period lasts. Andrew, I, I want to chime in here and say this to you. I, the tire you get is your alt is less important than this reality. If you've got multiple weeks in a row where you're driving that car on PS4s and the high temp is not getting above 40, you need to be on something other than PS4s. The yeah, PS4s are yeah. supposed to not be driven below 45 degrees. I have been on tires like that in the 20s, in the 30s, and you're driving on hockey pucks. I mean, they, they, drive, they drive like they're suddenly made of piano black. That's what they drive like. It's not good. So you need, you need to have some sort of alt tire. And I think, look, the all-weather that Paul's mentioned is a great, great solve. We have them on our cars of the past. They've been perfect for all conditions, and I've been pleasantly surprised by the, those Nokian all-weathers. But I think in your situation, if you have cold for a few weeks, what you need is a really good rated all-season you could even get by with because you're not going to be dealing with a lot of stuff. Now, I have all-seasons on our Cayenne, and we've just had a weather change here to get some snow on the ground. And that Cayenne is bomb-proof with full winter tires on it. And I have noticed that the all-seasons, every now and then, just, just struggle a little bit in this current weather because we've got some melting, slushy snow around, and the all-seasons are not up to the task. I think that's going to be rare enough for you. You might not need anything beyond an all-season, but I, I'm telling you, man, you have to get something other than a PS4 for the cold. Yeah, agreed. Mitchell Edwards asks about Honda's reasoning for not offering a Honda SI hatch. Doesn't seem like it would cut into the Integra or Type R sales and would give the SI a broader appeal. I, maybe, but to build the SI, they, it's, it's not a niche vehicle, but almost. Hmm. And so to offer two different versions or just go with the hatch only... I do think it would be too similar to the Integra. It already is so similar enough that mm. it does need to be differentiated. There needs to be a reason to move to the Integra. We do have a test drive on that car coming out. But I like the fact that it's not a hatch, personally. Ultimately, it comes down to 
product planners and the marketing people have to decide. And that means looking at sales numbers. Mm. And if people and, and their sales numbers tell them that hatchbacks sell less for whatever reason or sell less in a performance category or whatever their reasons are, they're going to build the sedan and that's why they chose it. It really does come down to people voting with their wallets. Two more tire questions. I'm going to see if I can combine them and run through both of them real quick, both off Instagram. One is everything is a blur, and the other one is Red, Redbird Fan 77 Everything is, is a blur says, what's our winter rubber tire of choice this year? We just posted the fact that our GR86 is about to have to come off those uh, Bridgestone uh, potenzas that we have on there and get our winter tires back on. We're going to put on the Nokian Hakapolitas that we had last year because we get a lot of snow here, and Hakapolitas are the tire for snow. Having said that, we have also had Blizzaks on pretty much all our cars, Bridgestone Blizzaks, and any car we've put those on, they've been phenomenal. We are big fans of both those tires. The Hakapolitas are harder if you get an area where it's cold, but there's not much snow. But if you get a lot of snow, the Hakapolitas are just like, what are we doing today? The Blizzaks are <laughs> right. a great all-around winter tire that I've had on everything from my FRS to our Cayenne and everything in between. So those are great. See what you like there. We also had the Michelin X Ice on. What did I have those on? I had those Wasn't on Wasn't that the, the Mitsubishi? I had those on the Lancer, and they were surprisingly good. I liked the Blizzax more, but the X-Ice were pretty good. And you had a performance one on your um, your Maserati. I still can't believe I owned a Maserati, but yes, I did. Yes. That, that's right. And yeah, you we had like a performance the, winter tire, yeah. Yeah, we like the Blizzax. We like uh, a lot of... The, the Hacapolitas are really excellent in snow, but the Blizzax, those are on the Expedition, and those just... That thing's unstoppable. Cayenne is, it is. Expedition, it is. Yeah, it's right. just unstoppable. So then Redbird Fan 77 says, the, would a Michelin Pilot Sport all season be more fun on the new GR86 or BRZ than the stock PS4 performance tires? He says, asking for a friend uh-huh, who likes to test the limits of traction at reasonable speeds. <laughs> the, the key part of this, this question here, Redbird, is you say, more fun. Define more fun for me. Because based on the rest of your thinking, I, I think what you're suggesting is I want to get the back out, and the PS4s won't allow you enough. Ah. And I, I, I wonder about that. Watch our original piece from my original FRS, and we did a tire swap. And I went from all seasons that weren't the primacies. I went from all seasons on that car that were actually, I think they were the AS3s at the time. Yeah, you're To right. actual PS4s, and we drifted it both ways. Now, what's, what people don't want to tell you about that 86 chassis is that it will slide, but it will understeer just as much as it'll oversteer. So what you actually, what I was very surprised by when we ran that car on both those sets of tires is that we could get it to drift on the All Seasons and the PS4s, but the drift was more controllable on the PS4s. Now, what it required was it actually required a little more speed and a little more aggression to get the back to start to come around. But that updated 86 has got more power to help you in that regard. I think if you're looking for control and sliding, I think the PS4s would be better than the All Seasons. If you're looking for, oh, this is glassier, yeah, go down to a less sticky tire. But I don't think that will be more fun. At least that's my take. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. We really appreciate it. And write to us, like I said, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>